to Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord. Uh, I'm Pastor Lilienthal, and thank you for joining me for this special extra uh, episode this week. Uh, as uh, you know, the, the Sunday that's coming up is January 5th, but as I mentioned in that episode, what immediately follows that on January 6th is the uh, first day of the Epiphany season. It is Epiphany Day. Uh, Christmas, again, has 12 days culminating on January 5th, and then January 6th is the day when we uh, commemorate the, uh, uh, the revelation of the Christ child to the Gentiles. That is, when the uh, wise men from the East uh, or the Magi come to visit the newborn king. Uh, it, it's it's a, a festival with a great deal of, of symbolism. Uh, it's one of those that uh, is, is high enough that it is observed in an octave, uh, or has historically been observed in an octave that is an eight-day celebration, and uh, once again tying it to uh, that Easter idea that on the eighth day uh, Jesus rose, that we are uh, eighth-day Christians. We are, are newly made on that eighth day, and that uh, is significant here with this event in Christ's life, with the Epiphany, when the, the, the wise men came to visit him. So you already know what the gospel lesson is going to be. Uh, it's that Matthew 1, or uh, Matthew 2, 1 through 12. So I'll, I'll just read that right away, uh, since it is so what this festival is all about. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, when Herod was king, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. They asked, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was alarmed, and all Jerusalem with him. He gathered together all the people's chief priests and experts in the law. He asked them where the Christ child was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, because this was written through the prophet. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are certainly not least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and found out from them exactly when the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report to me, so that I may also go and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Then the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stood still over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with overwhelming joy. After they went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Since they had been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. Familiar story. Uh, we have the, the wise men as part of our nativity scenes in the Christmas crushes. Um, some uh, people uh, touting themselves as, as purists like to, to keep the wise men out of the scene until uh, Epiphany itself. Uh, that's a fine practice. I, I'm not going to uh, say that uh, any practice with a Christmas crush is, is good or bad. It's it's fine, whatever your family tradition is. But uh, it's significant that we have those wise men there, and that is itself uh, a testament to the fact that we recognize ourselves as uh, not genetically the people of Israel, but by virtue of what Christ came to do, uh, that he did redeem all people, we are saved. We also worship this newborn king. Uh, we can have a, a big discussion about what exactly this star was, um, and there are debates about it. There are, are certain um, astrological historical things, or astronomical historical things that have been studied as far as what uh, what appeared in the sky and and how this appeared to move uh, and rest over where Christ was so that the wise men could, could find him, and how exactly they knew to look for it, uh, and things like that. Uh, to that last point, I can say that these, these wise men coming from the east would perhaps have come from one of the nations where Israel was kept captive. Uh, and so they would have known about this simply because of the witness of the people of God who were there, 
at that time. Uh, when they when they were taken into exile into into Babylon, um, uh, and uh, able then like Daniel to to witness uh, to the people around them, and so these wise men are perhaps descended from from that sort of of tradition, and so would know to look for uh, the coming of the King of the world, and so this star would be that sign for them. But uh, other than that, I'm not terribly interested in exactly what this star is. The scripture says it's a star heavenly body of some kind that's and it's enough for me um we we can describe these these stars uh, as as however we we like um i, I want to interrupt here at this point by talking about what the chief hymn for this uh festival is it's hymn 167 which is known as the queen of lutheran chorales it is how lovely shines the morning star by philip nikolai how lovely shines the morning star the nations seal and hail afar, the light in Judah shining. So we have the nations from afar, the wise men from afar, seeing the star uh, and hail a light in Judah. Uh, Christ is signified by this. It's the queen of chorales. If you, if you take these um, stanzas uh, and line them up and, and center them, the shape uh, is, is beautifully depicted in a chalice. And that's going to, to be significant as to what uh, order of service is followed for this festival. Uh, it being a festival uh, and also being one that depicts the presence of Christ very specifically, it, it would be almost wrong to not have the Lord's Supper uh, on this festival. So it will, we will be following right one uh, for this uh, epiphany uh, when we, we see Christ presented to us uh, uh, and, and, and given to us. In this, in this hymn, this chief hymn, hymn 167, that chalice picture uh, demonstrates how, how Jesus is brought, how uh, we see Je the, the wise men saw Jesus uh, in, in the child uh, and worshiped the king there. We see our king coming to us uh, in the supper uh, and, and in, in the sacraments and, and the word itself. Uh, we, we receive him in the means of grace is what this is all about. Uh, he, he comes to us in that way with his grace. Uh, this hymn is beautiful uh, and full of a great deal of grace, why it's called uh, the Queen of Lutheran Chorales. So we will be singing that as our chief hymn. It is seven verses long, so I'm going to um, divide that again. Uh, how we'll plan to do that is we'll sing the first four verses uh, as the chief hymn, and then the verses five through seven will be the hymn of thanks uh, following the, the Lord's Supper. Uh, so we, we know that already. <laughs> um, then I want to go on and look at the epistle lesson for this festival and that is Romans chapter because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God publicly displayed as the atonement seat through faith in his blood God did this to demonstrate his justice since in his divine restraint he had left the sins that were committed earlier unpunished he did this to demonstrate his justice at the present time so that he would be both just and the one who justifies the person who has faith in Jesus. What happens to boasting, then? It has been eliminated. By what principle? By the principle of works? No, but by the principle of faith. For we conclude that a person is justified by faith without the works of the law. Or is he only the God of the Jews? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, also of the Gentiles. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised person by faith, and the uncircumcised person through the very same faith. So we are doing away with the law by this faith? Absolutely not. Instead, we are upholding the law. 
This comes right in uh, the section of uh, Paul's letter to the Romans where he's talking law and gospel very explicitly, the righteousness that comes apart from the law, the, the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of the gospel, the righteousness that comes by faith. Uh, and so that's how we are justified freely by his grace. And that's where he, we see God is the God of the Gentiles. This God who was born in the manger is not just the God of the Jews, not just the God of Israel. He's the God of the Gentiles as well, of those wise men who came from afar, the God of you and me. Uh, you, listener, I don't know whether you have any uh, Jewish heritage or not, uh, but even if you don't, he's the God of you. He's your God as well. Uh, whether you believe in him or not, uh, he is that God. And by faith in him, that is how you receive that righteousness. That is how you receive that salvation. Uh, so he justifies us all by that faith. Uh, and the, the faith of the, the wise men was shown when they came before Jesus and prostrated themselves before him. They fell down on their faces and outstretched themselves. That's what that word means. Uh, they stretched themselves out completely, putting their faces in the dirt. That, But it's, it's, it's a humbling act, but it's also one that uh, demonstrates that same faith that we bow to before God when he comes to us because we know he comes for our salvation. This this ties into some of the, the traditions that are um, held in our church. You know, the, the, the act of crossing yourself, that genuflection, uh, is, a, is a reminder of, of your baptism. It, it's a reminder of the cross that you bear as Christians, of the name you bear as Christians, uh, being one who bears the cross. Uh, and and it, it's showing that you are humbled under the cross that, that is given to you, but also saved by the cross of Christ. In the same way, when we bow or when we kneel in, in prayers, when we do these things, it, it's, it's humble in, in one sense, but it's also um, a, a pure reception of God's grace, which, which is tied to that same humility, that we are confident of the grace that God gives to us and rejoicing in that same grace. We bow in joy and, and pleasure at what God gives to us. Uh, that uh, I want to read from the book uh, Ceremony and Celebration by Paul H.D. Lang when he talks about the practices uh, on Epiphany. Uh, he says here, when the, deep, when, when the words of the gospel fell down and worshipped him are read, a genuflection or a deep bow may be made. So crossing yourself or, or bowing very deeply so that we tie ourselves to the, the wise men at that point. And then after the reading of the gospel, the traditional announcement of the movable holy days of the church here may be made in the following form, talking about Septuagesima, Ash Wednesday, Easter, Ascension, Pentecost, First Sunday, and Advent uh, that come up. Uh, it, Epiphany does... Um, set uh, or, or start off some of these, these other festivals that we see Christ revealed to us now, it really gets the ball rolling. Uh, we see things move now. The, the stillness of Christmas is over and we see Christ taking action. Uh, and the action at this point is, is, is passive. We, it, he's worshipped even before uh, he does anything except sleep in, in his crib. Uh, and and trust in his his mother and his his father his adoptive father uh, his guardian Joseph. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, the, what I especially wanted to highlight there was that um, that bowing. Uh, there there are other traditions that have come out in, in church history where children bring uh, these these gifts up to the the altar, um, and some of them, especially the myrrh, are given then as uh, as donations to hospitals and and things. Um, this idea of giving gifts uh, as we pray for God, uh, for the, the God who reveals himself. And that's what the Epiphany season is all about, too. Epiphany Day kicked off a season that ends with transfiguration. Bishop Locke says this about the Epiphany season. The word Epiphany means to make known. At Christmas, we journeyed with the shepherds to see the baby in the manger. 
now in Epiphany we journey with the wise men. And the full nature of the Christ child is made known to us. Epiphany reminds us that the Son of Mary is also the Son of God, the Savior of all people. Each week of Epiphany reveals this to us with increasing clarity. From the child worshipped by the wise men, to the boy Jesus in the temple about his father, father's business, to the man Jesus who reveals his deity through his miracles. The second person of the Trinity has broken into our earthly world. God has appeared among us. And that is um, perhaps one of the biggest highlights of the Epiphany season. You hear a lot about Jesus' miracles coming up here. Uh, so that's that's something to look forward to in the coming weeks. But it's kicked off here when he is worshipped by wise men from outside of Israel. It's not an isolated event. This shows that this is God. Not just some Jewish thing, some Israelite thing. This is God. The God who created the world is now here in this manger. Um, all right, so with that, I want to look at the uh, Old Testament lesson for Epiphany, and that's going to be our sermon text from the Old Testament lectionary, and that is Genesis 26, 1 through. There was a famine in the land, besides the first famine that had occurred during the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines at Gerar. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down into Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Live in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the sky, and will give all these lands to your descendants. In your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my requirements, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Isaac lived in Gerar. The, the blessing of Isaac is, is brought out here uh, as a, a reiteration of the same blessing that's spoken on Abraham, this inheritance that's going to come, and the blessing of all nations of the earth in that seed. That, that's, that's really the highlight here. The God of the Gentiles is blessing the Gentiles through this one seed. It, it, it's a ripple effect. Think of, of God entering this world as a stone thrown in a pond uh, of, of water. He splashes in at one point, but it ripples out to all that, that water. Uh, God came into context in Israel. He was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger there and visited at the home there by these wise men. But that, that, that he was visited by these wise men from a Gentile nation shows that the effect of God entering here goes through the whole world. And that's going to go all the way to the end of Jesus' ministry when he instructs his disciples to go out into all the world. The only reason that we share the gospel is because this is the God of the whole world who has saved the whole world in Christ. Uh, and so this reiteration of the same promise shows how, how eternal this promise is and how God enters this into time. That it, it, Again, it's the same unity we have uh, from the Christmas season that God and man joined together in Christ, but it's, uh, it's, it's broadened a little bit to show how this affects the whole world. Uh, that because... God became man in this one place. God has an effect on the entire world for this salvation. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to speaking about this. The Egypt is brought out here in these Gentile lands. Um, the king of the Philistines, who are, are famous enemies uh, of Israel later on. Even, the, even these enemies, the Philistines and Egyptians, are, are brought out here. They are also saved by this same Christ. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that is brought out here. All right, the intro at for Epiphany is behold the lord the ruler has come and the kingdom and the power and the glory are in his hand all kings shall bow down shall fall down before him all nations shall serve him give the king your judgments o god and your righteousness to the king's son uh, we bring out again the the kings the nations the that because god is the one who has the kingdom 
we, we have a reflection of the end of the Lord's Prayer here, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's right there. Uh, that it belongs to God. And so whatever other nations are only there because God has given, good nations are going to recognize that. Good rulers are going to recognize that. Now, uh, I don't want to confuse the two kingdoms here. That's a doctrine um, that maybe we'll talk about more at a later date. Uh, but uh, certainly we can have a good king who's not a Christian. Uh, and Luther, I believe, even said something to that effect. I'd rather have uh, a, a good heathen king than an incompetent Christian one. Uh, and so, I mean, we, we would agree with that as well. But again, the the kings are not to usurp any authority from God. And these wise men who are erroneously described as kings, perhaps uh, in part due to the way this uh, these propers come out, um, they recognize who they are to worship, not their kings back home in Babylon or wherever. It's never actually specified where they come from, just from the east. They don't, that th those aren't uh, given the due of the ultimate worship, but Christ is. Yes, they'll, they'll give fealty to those other kings, to these other, other governments that are all over the place. We, we are to respect our government and obey its laws, but we don't worship it, and we don't give it the highest authority. That's God's. That's where that comes from. All right, so with uh, that intro, I want to look at the collect for Epiphany as well. Collect number 18. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only begotten Son to the Gentiles. Mercifully grant that we who know you now by faith may after this life enjoy the fullness of your glorious Godhead through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. What we're noticing here with this epiphany is that we're starting to see God. We're, we're able to picture him. Uh, and that comes out with that chief hymn again, with that chalice. We see God in that chalice. Uh, we, we see him come to us. Uh, and we, the, the wise men saw Jesus in that manger. The, this epiphany is a manifestation. That's, that's a key word that comes through with this epiphany season. The manifestation of God. The revelation of God. How he shows himself. Uh, and that shows that we will ultimately see God face to face. We're looking ahead to the revelation uh, on the last day when we will worship in God's presence for eternity. So looking at the psalm then for this day, the uh, ELH recommends Psalm 72, and I'm fairly certain that one is in the hymn. Yes, it is. Psalm 72 with tone two. It's 19 verses. Um, we, we've got to sing that whole whole thing as a, as a congregation. It goes to tone two, so it's Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. You recognize uh, echoes of the intro it there. Um, and then it goes on uh, further from there uh, that uh, this king of God uh, judges righteously. He is kind to the poor, gives justice. Uh, he's given gifts uh, from Sheba and Seba that comes out here. Um, uh, which is, is reflective of these uh, wise men coming from the East to bring these gifts. Uh, but he, it, what those gifts are, are just in an acknowledgement of who he is. It's not because he needs anything. He didn't come to take anything. He came to give, and that's what this psalm really illuminates, what, what Christ came to give. So that's, this is a psalm that we're going to rejoice to sing, uh, what we receive from the king that God has appointed uh, the, the, the son of, of God now in flesh, what he has come to bring to us as he manifests himself. He comes to manifest his, his grace as the epistle lesson, uh, described as well. All right. So let's look at, um, 
hymns. I've already said what the chief hymn and the thanksgiving hymn is going to be. It's the same one, uh, just uh, verses divided. Uh, I'll look at what the familiar ones are for this Sunday from uh, from my congregation. How lovely shines the morning stars is, of course, going to as with gladness, men of old is another one. As with gladness, men of old. That's uh, that opening. It's uh, kind of a call to. It's five verses, but since it's so familiar and it's it's it can be sung relatively quickly, I think we'll we'll sing all five verses of that as the opening, which leaves us with communion hymn and closing for communion. Uh, since we're going to be using right one again, uh, this time I might want to use one of the ones that is uh, suggested for this service in the in the hymnary um, says 327 or 316 317 uh, since this is going to come in the middle of a week or uh, on a Monday not on a Sunday I'm, I'm really not expecting a, a huge attendance so we might do 327 it's a three verse hymn it's by Martin Luther uh, but it also uh, reflects the same sort of attitude as the, the wise men. It, the, just the beginning of it. O Lord, we praise thee, bless thee, and adore thee, in thanksgiving bow before thee. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're the wise men. We're bowing in thanksgiving. Again, we receive from Christ. Uh, all that we give is, is in thanks. So that's going to be the, the communion hymn. Um, again, it's only three verses long, but... Uh, for for middle of the week services, and by that I mean Monday through Saturday, just by nature of the fact that people have jobs and school and things like that, we don't usually see as as large an attendance. So um, I think the shorter one will be fine. And and if we do by any chance have a large attendance, absolutely that's a blessing. Um, but we'll we'll sing this hymn, and then we'll have maybe some uh, some voluntary music that uh, gives us the ability to to focus our prayers and and our thoughts and our devotion on, on the God who has just come to us in the sacrament. All right, so now I want to um, look again at uh, closing hymns. Uh, and, and actually, uh, at, at this point, it, it might simply be best to close with the, the common doxology, Old Hundredth Hymn 592, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I mean, we're praising him. We're, we're worshiping him again. So I think that's going to be a good closing hymn. Uh, and I know people love that one uh, at my congregation, so uh, it's a good opportunity to sing that. It's really short once again, and I've already had a, a five-verse hymn in there, so I like to balance. If I've got one that's got more verses, I like to have some that are have fewer, and this one is you know, the shortest thing we've got in the, in the hymnary. Um, so that'll be our closing, uh, a really simple, uh, uplifting closing as well. People will really enjoy that. So uh, that's going to be uh, the service for uh, Epiphany. Once again, it's following uh, the Divine Service Rite 1, the Bugenhagen Service, or what's based on the Bugenhagen Service in our Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary. Opening with prayer, followed by the introit, then the opening hymn, Hymn 168, as with Gladness Men of Old, Confession of Sin, Kyrie Absolution, Gloria and Excelsis, Salutation, that Collect, uh, the uh, Epistle Lesson from Romans, Psalm 72, the Gospel Lesson from Matthew, the Nicene Creed, the Chief Hymn, uh, 167, 1, and 1 through 4, Sermon, Prayer of the Church, Apostolic Benediction, Offering, uh, the Service of Holy Communion, Liturgy, Preface, Proper Preface for Epiphany, Sanctus, Exhortation, Lord's Prayer, Words of Institution, Agnus Dei, 
Distribution with him, 327. Dismissal. Hymn of Thanks, which is 167 again, verses 5 through 7. Collect of Thanks, Benediction. Closing Hymn, 592. And Closing Prayer. Um, a, a simple, beautiful service. I, I know the um, that book by Paul Lang recommends that uh, announcement. Um, and and I, I haven't done that as a, as a verbal announcement before. It's not a tradition that we've done, but I have printed it in the bulletin before. Um, again, the fact that this is not a, a, a service that is necessarily as well attended, uh, I'll certainly have it as perhaps an insert in the bulletin for that sun, for that uh, festival, but then I'll, I'll print it again for the Sunday following, the first Sunday after Epiphany, uh, which you can look forward to as our next episode when we look forward to, to that. Uh, we will uh, be discussing Epiphany 1. So, uh, With that, you can find the show uh, and information about it uh, at tapestryradio.org slash Lord's House. You can find my church, Our Saviors and Albert Lee, at OurSaviorsELS.com. Find me on Twitter uh, at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L and talk to me if you have any questions or comments or want to talk more about these, these things. Uh, but until next time, peace be with you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From our fancy to yours.